0: To the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Pharmacists United for Truth and Transparency, the Puttcast. Putt is a not-for-profit industry watchdog organization dedicated to exposing the truth about the shady, abusive practices of pharmacy benefit managers and how they affect American patients, healthcare providers, and taxpayers. On the podcast we'll talk to pharmacy industry experts, influencers, and patients, always with the goal of bringing the truth, transparency, and solutions to America's prescription drug affordability crisis. Hi everybody, welcome to the podcast. I'm Monique Whitney. I am the Executive Director of Pharmacists United for Truth and Transparency. And I'm Lauren Young, I'm Putt's Vice
1: President. And this episode of the PuttCast is going to be slightly different. We're going to be debriefing what's going on in Washington, DC and at the state level ahead of our annual putt summit coming up at the end of July.
0: Yes. So Lauren, what is going on in Washington? My gosh, it's so different than it ever was when we first started this so many years ago.
1: When I joined the putt board back in 2019, if you would have told me that four years later we would have 30-plus bills sitting in Congress dedicated to some aspect of pharmacy benefit manager topics, I would have laughed in your face. But that is where we're sitting right now. As of this episode's airing, there is roughly 31 bills that are dedicated to pharmacy benefit manager practices in D.C. alone. So I know just a few years ago whenever we were fighting the Rutledge v. PCMA fight at the Supreme Court level, and we were really trying to get legislators to understand why this was important and what ERISA plans were and how this impacts not just on the state level but also federally, because a lot of our owners and put members have patients that have plans that are funded by the federal government. So those bits and pieces such as Medicare Part D really have to be controlled by Congress. And so we have been told by many, many legislative staffers that their legislators now understand what a pharmacy benefit manager is and they're getting calls from patients daily about why are the prices going up and why are we not able to get the medication that I want and why am I not able to use the pharmacy that I want anymore because I really want to and I pay way too much for my medication in order to be steered or directed towards a box store that I don't want to go to or mail order and so that's really what we're seeing now with all of this Education that we have been beating the drum on for our members and trying to get them to advocate for themselves and for their patients and for their small business. And so we're seeing Congress really starting to understand that there needs to be a change and there has to be something positive come out of this because I think we're at really a, a big tipping point and there has to be some sort of resolution because now legislators are getting. Calls. It used to be that people were afraid, they wouldn't think their legislator was going to listen, and they were just trying to deal with it themselves. And it's gotten way past that because of the billions of dollars we're seeing these PBMs rake in on the backs of patients and our small businesses.
0: And it's really something to see that happening now. When you think about just what you said, there are more than 30 bills currently in Congress, strictly strictly about pharmacy benefit manager practices. And they're, I know they're looking at different things. You and I were at a conference not so long ago when a lobbyist, a DC lobbyist was talking about how it's really a good thing that there are so many bills. You know, it's, the tendency is to worry, to think that, oh God, there's so many bills, it's going to cause confusion. And there's a sort of Keystone Cops image that comes to mind. But but, you know, he was pretty positive and he was talking about how when you have that kind of attention on a problem, you'll start seeing language from bills, different bills, you know, merge together that we will start seeing some some good legislation come out of that. And, and so it is it's it's really, really encouraging, you know, that that's happening. But it is crazy to think about that because you're right. I was just thinking you did join the board in 2019 and it was right around the summit, wasn't it? The 2019 summit we had in in Austin when that happened? Yes.
1: Now I'd been a fan of putt for many years before that. And I missed the 2018 summit in New Orleans because I had a um, conflict that weekend. But I remember texting with Owen Sullivan and asking for like hourly updates on what's going on, because he was taking pictures of Senator Max Wise and all of these powerful people that were actually making things happen. And in Illinois in 2018 was when the dreaded managed care companies started taking over our state Medicaid. And so we were seeing, you know, dismal dispensing fees. And so that really lit a fire under several owners to try to get something happening and trying to get reform and what we could do. So we had a bill in 2018 and again, 2018 was an election year, you know, midterm election year, but still an election year. And our uh, Senator who was a champion of anti-PBM issues for us, Senator Andy Menar. now he's deputy governor, Andy Menard. He talked to us about this and we were able to, get a better strategy for 2019 so we were able to get our bill passed that was just a couple months before the summit in Austin so the Illinois group was really thrilled to be able to get together in 2019 in Austin with our friends from putt and talk about that win that we got which fast forward four years later we were able to get a study done an audit for our managed care companies in Illinois and those findings are going to be public here in the next few months. We already have them, but they're going to be kind of debated in the legislative audit commission coming up at the beginning of next year. So uh, we are already talking about how we can educate our legislators about those findings and what the lack of enforcement after you pass a bill can do and how the, MCOs are still manipulating the system because they're not enforcing the regulation component that we spent all that time passing. So that's really what one of the key things that we're going to be talking about at this summit, about it's not just enough to work your tails off to get that bill passed at the state level or the federal level, but also the enforcement component really is important because that's where PCMA likes to come in and throw up additional roadblocks, or as we saw in Texas, this, this session, they can try to have a bill that would actually repeal the previous sessions, PBM reform bill. Luckily there was a uh, very, very astute representative who was on the committee that passed that bill the last session, so he was able to stop that. But you really cannot stop the work even after you get your bill passed. You have to make sure that stakeholders are in the room, that independent pharmacy-centered stakeholders are in the room, whatever you're talking about enforcement. And our, our friends in Oklahoma know all too well about that. I think we all saw the uh, Oklahoma, um, insurance commissioner Mulready, uh, he was very, very public about their issues over the last few months with CVS Caremark and some of the PBMs and how he's finding them. And, you know, that really wasn't quite enough for patients in Oklahoma. So the attorney general is now going to be in charge of enforcing their pharmacy, right to choose, act, to make sure there's not steering, and to make sure that patients are really being taken care of the way they should be. And so we all know that CVS has way too much money. And so putting these $10,000 or $100,000 per incident fines doesn't do anything. So there really needs to be a significant penalty, whether it is they would lose the ability to work in that state. They would lose the ability to elect admin fees or transaction fees or DIR fees or anything like that because of what they're doing. This is a truly bad actor in the healthcare industry. They are ripping patients off right and left. They just, earlier this week, there was a massive national outage with CVS Caremark's insurance switch so patients were not able to get their prescriptions covered by their CVS insurance and it was nationally down across every pharmacy and so just like we saw in December when the airlines during their busy season were unable to overcome a software issue CVS Caremark couldn't do the same, and there was some talk on social media about dragging them in front of congressional hearings and trying to do what's best in order to get answers, because CVS Caremark saying, we don't really know when this is going to get fixed. Sorry, patients aren't able to get medication, and independent pharmacies can't continue floating that bill. So I think that
0: was... Another
1: thing that we want to make sure stays top of
0: mind for our legislators. I wonder if that has caught the attention of the FTC because, you know, you and I were watching the hearing and seeing all of the what I would what I would consider to be like incredibly surprising bipartisan support of the work the FTC is doing going up against monopolies. And Ticketmaster I think did get dragged in front of Congress didn't they over the whole Taylor Swift ticket debacle Taylor Swift the most powerful human being on the planet I think. <laughs> Sorry Beyoncé I know you're yeah. critically acclaimed but I'm pretty sure Taylor Swift is getting it done uh, even and even even in things like monopolies you know who knows. Mm-hmm. Um but the outage yeah that was that was that was pretty serious business. Oh absolutely and funnily
1: enough One of our pharmacy rock stars, Senator James Skoufis, definitely took on Ticketmaster in New York. And so that's funny that he was able to connect the dots about these terrible monopolies that
0: his constituents have to deal with. Yeah, he's great. We have him on our summit panel. So for for everyone listening, July 26th, Putts Summit is going online. It's a mini version of the summit that we do in person every year, and the highlight is always our our panel. And so he's on there, which is going to be great. And then you mentioned Oklahoma a little while ago. TJ Marty is going to be from Oklahoma. He is a representative there in the the state house and a pharmacy or former pharmacy owner. He's going to be on our panel as well. I was actually speaking with Representative Linda Cheney from Florida, who is the powerhouse representative who got the, I mean there are omnibus bills and then there are omnibus bills and the bill that she managed to spearhead through Florida uh, that is uh, transformative in terms of what it's been like for Florida pharmacies and patients. So I was speaking with her last night. She mentioned that one of the people that she spent time with talking to was Mulready. They have an eye on the whack-a-mole game that PBMs play. And so it was exciting to see that in Florida, not only have they got their eye on getting this law passed, which was signed by the governor, but they've got their eye on the enforcement end too. and and they one of the things that they made sure that they got in that law was that there was a single point of complaint for pharmacies and for patients. And she emphasized that it's important for pharmacies and for patients to make those complaints because I think all too all too often what happens is, you know we all get caught up in the the day-to-day of what we're doing. And it's like, oh God, another stupid PBM thing has happened. And then gets pushed to the side, pushed to the side. You know, our president, Deborah Keveney, she's amazing at that. She's kind of a one-woman <laughs> our house in, in Minnesota. And she's always submitting the complaints and always, you know, showing how that does make the difference. But I think that'll be a good thing for us to talk about when we are at the summit. Oh, absolutely. I'm so excited to hear about
1: these success stories in Different states, and I think the legislators give a unique perspective because I think when our members are trying to advocate to them, they know they only have a short amount of time with them in a meeting and they have a lot of issues they need to convey. They have dozens or hundreds of patients that they're trying to be the voice for and get the legislator to understand this is important, this deserves your attention. And so, I think that having individuals who have Gone up against the three big PBMs and lived to tell about it, I think is very powerful for our members. I think that we are always looking for the tipping point as to what was it that made that legislator care enough to put the target on their back that PCMA has or their State Association of Managed Care Health Plans or whatever black box organization, you know, like the state chamber that's going to come after them and try to oppose any bill that helps the independent pharmacies. So that's really what we're looking for. And I'm I think that, you know, we're going to get a very unique perspective on some of these recent successes. And I think that motivates some of our members in states that haven't had a win in the last couple of years. Because they were pushed off due to COVID issues. And now there's always going to be an election every other year, whether it's a presidential or a midterm. And so, and some states only have one real session every other year. So you also have a lot of factors working against you to try to push this
0: boulder uphill and try to get a win. And so I'm super excited to hear from our panelists. I think they're going to have some good information. So everyone's got a little bit different setup on our panel this year. So we have Senator Heather Cloud, who's coming from Louisiana, and she was a, a real advocate for the independent pharmacies because, uh, you know, for people who who weren't aware of what was happening there, the Office of Group Benefits for the state of Louisiana had uh, a contract with CVS that was a terrible, terrible, terrible contract. It was a bad deal for the state. It was a bad deal for the employees of the state who were covered by this plan. It was a very bad deal for the pharmacies. You know, she was an advocate and stood up and, you know, was very vocal about that. She understands the problem. So, you know, one of the things that, that we sometimes forget is that, you know, you can have a state legislature be 100% in your corner, which has almost always been the case with Louisiana, at least over the last several mm-hmm. years. And then suddenly something goes terribly wrong, right? Suddenly we're, just where you think everyone gets it. Well, you know, the money talks and here comes this quote unquote, good deal. And all of a sudden it feels like you're back at square one. So there's, there's that. And then we have Senator Holly Rader from Missouri, and this is going to be really interesting because, you know, Missouri has been uh, trying to get a, a, a bill passed for some time. And they're just so, so close. And she'll be able to speak to, you know, the climate of that state and 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 what she has seen as someone who's very close to independent pharmacies and, and, and has a heart for community. Because if you're close to independent pharmacies, then you are somebody who is close to small business. You are close to your, your people. I'm a localist. I, I'm somebody who is <laughs> always going to be like, you know, small business first, support your community first. You can't really be like you know ordering on Amazon all the time and then ex- realistically expect that your your local stores are going to be okay, right? So I'm always trying to educate on that. But yeah, it'll be great for her to speak about that. And of course, we just mentioned Senator Skupis. Uh He is he's just tireless. I'm I did not know about the Ticketmaster thing. I think that's going to be really really interesting. But, you know, it's a really, really good panel. We, you know, also the thing I was, I thought about this a few minutes ago when you said we were talking about all the noise that um, PCMA was making in Illinois. And I do want to come back to Illinois because there's something else going on there that I think is extremely important. But the whole, like our theme this year is advocating above the noise. And we picked that theme because we were impressed by the AIDS Healthcare Foundation, who just is really out there. And they just find ways to just cut through the clutter and the noise with their advocacy. And I thought about that, you know, because here you advocate in Illinois, I advocate with the Arizona Independent Pharmacy Coalition. So I being here in Arizona, it's in my backyard. So not necessarily a putt thing, but very definitely an independent pharmacy thing. And I, I have seen what they do. All of us have. If you've ever been down at your state capitol, when a bill that you were counting on was going to be heard. You probably saw the army of lobbyists and attorneys and anyone else that they could grab with a pulse and a suit, you know, walk in and try to intimidate the committees who are hearing this. And then they, you know, come up with these suddenly, all of a sudden, there are all these concerned patient groups, you know, nowhere to be found in real life, but certainly to be found mm-hmm. online and fake websites and fake social media accounts and stuff. It's it's noisy. So how do you cut through that? So the AIDS Healthcare Foundation is going to be talking to us about that. And of course, our very good friend, Greg Reibold, is going to be giving us an update on what is happening at the federal level. Uh, We are really, really lucky at PET to have people like Greg from APCI and and also our very good friends at American pharmacies who give us information and tell us what is happening so that we can know because it's so hard sometimes to decipher that stuff. Here's what I wanted to chat with you. And we'll make this our last topic of the conversation, Lauren, but Illinois, I think is an interesting model because not only have you been dealing with trying to get bills passed and, and enforcement you have had a government state government there that had, that understands the problem and is doing what it can but you now have a lawsuit situation there mark cooker jacob's law mm-hmm. group you know he has represented a group of independent pharmacies across the country against optum and their really terrible really really draconian arbitration clause and that was found to be unconscionable in Wisconsin and California but in Illinois your appeals court thought otherwise, and it was, you know, questionable as to how they even came to that conclusion. It was questionable if, if it was maybe handled um, even in the right way. I don't want to, you know, point fingers at Illinois' appellate court and say that they were somehow something other than that. But it was just, it was weird, right? So this is now going up before the Illinois Supreme Court. What are your thoughts about that? I mean, seeing this lawsuit happen with so much on the line, I'm just kind of curious what what are the thoughts in Illinois and what's happening there?
1: I was very, very concerned whenever Mark sent out that information about what was happening in Illinois because we knew that any one of the three states that were overseeing this lawsuit, this could potentially happen, but we had had such positive news in California. We'd had positive news in Wisconsin. And so it really didn't feel right that this was taken totally the wrong way and forcing these pharmacies into arbitration with Optum, who was just going to bury us under their legal team and not really work for the patient. And so it really, it didn't seem to line up with anything that we had been By other legal experts and what really should be happening on this front. And so I know that Mark is still actively working on this and really trying to get back to get the Illinois Supreme Court to hear this so that it's not
0: a win on Optum's side and a huge loss for independent pharmacies and patients. I think it'll be interesting to see what happens out of it. I will say this uh, you know, I started at Putt. In really, 2016, March of 2016, and then came full time on as the executive director in September of 2017. And the year, the time between 2016 and 2017 was, man, it was grim. I don't, I don't know any other way to say that. And I think anyone who, uh, you know, has been around this fight in those years remembers the CVS, you know, doing its squeeze and buy tactics, and you know, cutting reimbursements and all of that stuff. To see us now in a place where we've got the FTC standing firmly on disallowing large corporations like PBMs to use smaller businesses and particularly those that they require to be a network in order to deliver the service that PBMs say that they deliver, to have an FTC really get interested in that is so amazing. To see lawsuits happening that are moving and that are are causing a shift in the way that precedent is set in doing business is also really exciting to see states, you know, states that you would never have thought were going to get anything done because they're they're states that are notoriously anti-regulation, like uh, Arizona. <laughs> Seeing them <laughs> take these things on and take it seriously is really, really exciting. So, you know, I think I think we're in a, a new time. And although I'm not going to say even jokingly that we're winning this battle, to me, it seems like we're taking ground and we're doing this hand in hand with all of the other providers and the patients out there. And so I think it's it's one of the most exciting times to be in pharmacy and to be involved in this particular issue. Absolutely. I think that a lot of pharmacists were very
1: happy and optimistic whenever we heard that the... 6B study was going to be expanded by the FTC to look into GPOs kind of all of the different components of this. So once Lena Khan the FTC started peeling back the layers and seeing that oh this is really complicated but not as complicated as it needs to be. And then with what they announced very recently And they're going to be having an open commissioners meeting in July on the 20th about this topic, about trying to make sure that healthcare organizations or lobbying individuals of healthcare organizations are not using outdated reports in order to try to influence legislators and policy. And we all have seen PCMAs fake monopoly money. Kind of reports that they make themselves, and whenever we ask them to show their work, they're never able to. Whenever any of the federal pharmacy groups ask them to show why patients are going to be forced to pay more at the pharmacy counter if there is some kind of transparency in this, and they can't really show that. They just throw on a couple dozen million dollars to it and tack on this big scary price tag that legislators would look like idiots if this was actually true. And this was actually an option that would happen. But so far in the states that have had reform and transparency built into their laws, they have not seen premiums go up. They definitely have not seen premiums go up by $8, 10 12 $15 per prescription, like PCMA likes to say. And they also, these same firms, go to state insurance commissioners every single year and say, oh, premiums have to go up. Regardless of if that state has had any pharmacy PBM reform wins at all. So it is not because of our work and the push that we have to try to have transparency be in the conversation. These people are still wanting prices to go. We saw this during the beginning of COVID the next year whenever some health plans were giving Maybe a 1% discount because people had not been able to get into the doctor and had not been using a lot of these benefits that they had already paid money for. And now premiums shot back up 8 to 16%. So it has nothing to do with actual premiums going up. It's just these PBMs have to give the stakeholders additional money that they have already promised in their quarterly. Reporting and their forecasts, and so they have to find a way to make that money, and they're using it on the backs of patients and doing it very unethically, as we have, as have been talking about for years. And so I think people are finally starting to clue in that this should not be as complicated as it is. This shouldn't be a gigantic shoots and ladders game of if you move up two pieces, oh, you might accidentally go back 10 spaces because you had the audacity to have a heart attack and now you need to be on medication that can save your life. Oh, but your PBM doesn't want to pay for that. So I think that we have seen with the FTC broadening their scope of this 6B study that hopefully this will help get answers to things that we've been beating the drum about for years and give credibility to a lot of our members that have been outspoken and trying to find something for their patients and for their businesses that's going to be positive and a solution because what we've done so far, the status quo, is not working for business owners, pharmacists, or patients. So something's got to give. The dam's going to break, and hopefully
0: it drowns those (laughs) CEOs of the PBMs in its wake. You know, one can only hope that the dam does break. And when it does, what we're left with is uh, kind of a a drain the ocean situation. I don't know if you've ever seen that show on Disney, but it's completely fascinating. They literally like do this animation where they drain the ocean. And then you see everything that's the wreckage on the bottom of the floor. Hopefully it'll go that way sooner rather than later. And we'll be able to restructure a system that works the way it's supposed to, where patients get care, providers are empowered to... Provide the treatment that they provide to do the work that they uniquely do and their unique contributions to treatment, and that mm-hmm. it can all be done at a fair price and everyone sees value out of it. So, Erin, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure talking with you, and you're such a, a gift to the PUP membership. You follow all of these things so closely. Thank you so much for your time and, and joining me today. Is my, you're always my wonderful co host, but thank you especially for taking time today to have this conversation.
1: Always happy to be a part of the conversation. And I hope everyone listening joins us on July 26th for our
0: annual virtual putt Summit. Yes, and if you are looking for information where to find that, you can go to our website, truthrx.org forward slash putt events. That's with an S. Until next time, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next month on the podcast.